passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody. It is Rewind to Dynamite with John Pollock and Wei Ting. Wei, you have the best mustache I've seen in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, is it is it November and January and somebody didn't tell us? Um, you know, between uh, the Young Bucks and Roderick Strong, it seems like some individuals are deciding to grow their first mustaches. And it's it's always toughest when you're uh, trying your first one. I would include Hangman in there as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, his is more full, I would say. But, but a bit more than usual. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's 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 the end thing, John. You going to join? No. No. You ever had a mustache like you know, you ever tried? Um, yes, for, for a period. I, I grew out like my beard at one point and thus had the, the combination, but I not just, like you, I feel like you could pull off a mustache. Mm, I don't think so. I don't, I don't want to, hmm. um, but you, you have the ability to just grow facial hair at like, you could, I've always said like, you could just one day you show up looking like this after being clean shaven the day prior, I feel. No, that's not really true. Um, takes takes at least i think a week or, or that's or, not bad yeah like if you if you just completely clean shaven how long would it take you to get to this look i probably maybe like 10 days maybe something okay. like that i don't i don't know it's been years actually, actually at this point as has this intro for all of, all of our listeners but i know that they're uh waiting with bated breath for our big show tonight how are you overall doing good yeah overall not bad um happy to be here how about you? You've knocked out COVID. That's all in the rearview mirror now. Yeah, yeah, all done. Like we 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 tested negative earlier this week. So, oh, congratulations! Got through it. Yeah, pretty pretty mild, I would say overall. Welcome to the club. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something to experience, isn't it? I uh, sure. Why not? Well, on tonight's show, we will get into the homecoming edition of Dynamite. 
from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. We have a bunch of news to get into. Later on, on Thursday, we're going to be going back to September of 1998 for Breakdown in Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah, um, a rather random pay-per-view, um, I would suggest, you know, that that was chosen here by Jesse from the Six, but maybe because it was from Hamilton, which is very much near the Six, uh, maybe that's why Jesse chose it. So we'll find out exactly why. Got, diving right back into the glorious Attitude Era, the uh, the, the best of uh, 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 professional wrestling history. It's 1998. Yes. Complete with fan signs that you would never in a million years um, bring to any kind of public event in uh, 2023. But different time period, 25 years ago. Yeah, I know this was, um, you know, a period in the in- industry that I think, um, I don't know, it was very influential, certainly changed a lot. Certainly was great for business. What, 17,000 people here for this in your house pay-per-view in Hamilton? which isn't crazy, even if it's, um, I don't know, my, even mildly close to, you know, being legitimate. Um, it, it was like, it's, it's like legit, like 14,000 or so in there. Like it's, it's full mm-hmm. business is on fire at this time period we're talking about. Yeah. But at least um, up to where I am at, which is at least halfway through this pay-per-view. Oh, that undercard. It's not, it's not a good show. The <laughs> wrestling is terrible. Um, anyway, lots to talk about. Are you up to Dustin Rhodes and Val Venus yet? No, I'm not. Okay, well that's oh, so that's, that's that's where the show gets gets great. That's the main event. Okay, all right. So enjoy enjoy your viewing tonight. All right, that's coming up on Thursday, and then uh, this weekend, uh, plenty of stuff coming your way on the Post Wrestling Cafe Friday night. Way and I are back with Rewind a SmackDown Saturday. Very very busy day of professional wrestling, and we will have lots of coverage on the site and in audio form. I will be doing a free show with John Cena right after TNA's Hard to Kill uh, that is going down in Las Vegas. Way will be doing a collision course with Kate from Montreal. They will be on the cafe chatting about collision, followed by Battle of the Belts 9. So three hours of AEW coming your way. And then uh, with the New Japan Battle in the Valley show on Saturday night, Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson will be back on the cafe on Sunday to review that particular show as well. We'll also have coverage on the site along with the uh, the UFC card. It's their first show of the year from the Apex in Las Vegas with Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker that we will be periodically checking in on and uh, lots coming up this particular weekend in the pro wrestling and MMA venues. Mm-hmm. Are you excited for Saturday? Um, Kind of, yeah. Why? Because of all the wrestling? Is that no, why? No, yeah. just uh, if you had plans this Saturday, I wouldn't expect you'd be excited about the wrestling. I to watch a lot of wrestling, I guess. And all right. There's just a lot of it, honestly. And and we're, it, it's already like, what, the second week of, of the year? So um, I would say that it feels special, but it also feels like every other week we're going to get this sort of, you know, level of, of quality and content. You know what I did last weekend? I took my kids to go see the uh, the new Trolls movie. Okay, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's got like Justin Timberlake as one of the voices, and my daughter is obsessed with Trolls at the moment. So this is the newest movie. So we took both of them to go see this movie, and I realized I I, I cannot watch these like kids singing movies that are ninety minutes long. So I'm here in the theater, and uh, 
20 minutes in, dude, I just I just put my headphones in and I just mm-hmm. listened to music for they had a great time. I mean, my daughter's like up there dancing and stuff. Um, they had a great time and I and they were none the wiser. I'm just like I'm sitting there and they'd look over and I, I had like I had my ear up here so they wouldn't even see. And I'm just like, yeah, this is great. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> the sacrifices you made. Hey, it's uh, they had a great time. So uh, that, that was the that was the fun part. But yes, uh, Trolls 3 looked OK. Thumbs up for me sure yes uh, went went through a whole uh library of songs all right on that note let us move on we have a couple of news items to get to also uh today's pollock and thurston we had uh we went through quite a lot of news including uh wwe raw rights and spent like 20 minutes at the end talking about all the pat mcafee drama going over over at espn so uh quite quite a wide-ranging discussion if you want to ch- uh hear that no guests this week just brandon and i going for for an hour so you can uh listen to that if you are uh on a commute or watching trolls great listening material I, i'm sure the visuals would match right up well we start off we want to wish a recovery to cj perry who looks like has had a setback with her this this infected finger um that has been plaguing her for the last month she put an update up that she is on her way back to the hospital uh, due to complications with the healing and the possible return of this infection and might need to get a second surgery. So this is, I mean, talk about like just such a freak accident, but my God, has this thing been uh, like, this is her second hospital say over a splinter. Man. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Can you imagine um, like two surgeries on this thing of like just getting a splinter. Like it's like the wildest story. So, I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully this is uh, uh, taken care of uh, quickly, but uh, best to her uh, with this, this setback in her recovery. DJ who kid was on with Sam Roberts and Jim Norton. And it just so happens that DJ who kid, I'm sure everyone mm-hmm. remembers was at all in back in August. And if you recall was, uh, ushering out Swerve Strickland, and this was uh, right around the time of the brawl backstage. So DJ Hookid uh, shared his eyewitness account because it looks like they did not lock him down to any kind of NDA. So we're actually going to play the clip. Uh, this is DJ Hookid on Sirius XM with Sam Roberts and Jim Norton uh, recounting what he saw backstage at Wembley Stadium. I already know what happened in the back. It was a straight brawl city, so I'm yeah. not gonna talk about that. It was blood and killing and death. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if there were any murders per se. But <laughs> yeah, well, you might as well say it. But anyway, <laughs> but think about it. It was like the biggest moment for AEW, and I guess he's trying to sabotage that moment. Who? Oh, they said uh, CM Punk was. He wasn't trying to go out there, and then that's when. Oh, okay. And I'm in the middle, like you know me. I'm the fly on the wall. Hey, is it okay if I dance when I go out there? Are you guys cool if I dance in front of the go fire? Go ahead, my nigga. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, very, it was very intense. It, like, I, you know, I always thought it was fake and all this shit. Yeah. It's yeah. more real than people It's realize. more real than, it's like. Yeah. But like, do like, punches thrown? What? Uh, <laughs> punches? Like, it was wrestling back then. It was like DDT everything. Like, I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm exaggerating. But, but, but the shit that's crazy is there was a yelling moment where he was like, yo, fuck this shit. This is our moment. Everybody get the fuck out there and do your shit. And I was just like, I, I, I don't even know how to wrestle, but I was about to go out there. Let's go! <laughs> it was very intense, man. Like, you know, like, I will always respect wrestling after I saw that. I've yeah. seen, like, one part. Who said that, that this is our moment? 
Um, who's that? The big guy. The, I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, the, 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 I don't know. The Hawaiian, the Hawaiian nigga. I don't know. No, the Hawaiian looking nigga. <laughs> don't know. I don't know who that is. But it was a guy that was going ham. And I was just like, oh shit. And then blood was everywhere from the, <laughs> the fight before that. Yeah. They came in and they were bleeding and everything. I was like, yo, what is going on around here? This is intense. <laughs> you know? Okay. Is he talking about, um, Miro? <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's talking about Samoa Joe. As oh, Samoa Hawaiian. Joe. Okay, I'm sorry. I assume that that that's the uh, the mistaken Hawaiian. Um, in, in, it could have been Miro. I think it was Samoa Joe, though. Sorry. All, I, all this to say, I know this this is going to be dissected every which way. But unless Lucy Guy, um, well, I mean that that's from the other brawl. This one in particular, this might be the only account that we get. It's going to be DJ Who Kid with that description of what happened. I was going to say, I did not expect the the most sort of, um I don't know, vivid uh, explanation of, of that particular event to come from DJ Who Kid in that manner. Um, but thank you, DJ Who, Who Kid, for, for that investigative uh, report. Um, I, I feel like I was right there. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Murders going down. Um, but there you have it. That is a, that's a clip. I don't know how much we can take from that other than... Uh, it was crazy. It's on the record. On the record now. On the record. Is, we now have is, a firsthand eyewitness yeah. account on the record, uh, courtesy mm-hmm. of uh, DJ Hookit. All right. Uh, let's continue. WWE, they are going to be back on A&E beginning February 25th with the continuation of their Rivals series and biography, WWE Legends. So Rivals will uh, be kicking off, and it's going to be the regular format with a roundtable hosted by Freddie Prince Jr., The first episode will focus on The Rock and Triple H, and then they're going to do episodes on Jake Roberts and Randy Savage, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, John Cena and Randy Orton, The Hardys against Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, and then The Miz against Daniel Bryan. The biography episodes starting the same date will focus on Randy Orton the first week, and then biographies on Sergeant Slaughter, Scott Hall, DDP, Davey Boy Smith, and Roman Reigns. Any of these jump out at you? Any... I mean, these rivalries, I feel like we have seen WWE like produced specials on almost every one of these. I don't know how much more can be said on the Hardys, Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys and their rivalry, but um, we will turn mm. around. And uh, qu- quite a, a fair number of um, AEW performers am- among this list, which mm-hmm. I mean, it's likely just archived footage that they will have uh, at their disposal but i mean does the a and e series do do any of these jump out at you way any that you would think yeah i would love to see a biography on this person um honestly no not at all uh none of these interest me whatsoever anymore. the slaughter one would actually be pretty good i think they go into his awa stuff and maybe not, like not five years ten years ago john like when we didn't have like this sort of um i don't know abundance of pro wrestling I'm just saying in general what's weekend. good. I'm not saying what you're going to make time for, of course, but um Okay. I just don't don't know. I mean, it's fine. I I'm, I I totally understand why they're producing these. It's it's more sort of um, you know, content for a different audience that might eventually, you know, become um a modern day WWE fan if they were a lapsed fan from back then and recognize that Jake Roberts versus Savage for instance, but I just I don't really know what sort of new information we'd be able to to learn from any of these. Like, I, th- I think we're used to at least, you know, for things that are worth our time. Um, maybe a focus on um, topics that are a bit more controversial or um, I don't know that much. Maybe th- that haven't been talked about as much. Like, I don't really know if I'm 
I have that much interest in seeing a Miz versus Daniel Bryan retrospective. Although I'm sure, like you know, the the Talking Smack segment will be um, the recap will be fun. The Scott Hall one would be interesting if they if they've done all updated interviews and such for it. I mean, you would be covering his death, and you would have you know your because at, at one point they were talking about the fact that Dark Side of the Ring was looking at doing something on Scott Hall that Kevin Nash had spoken about. But this would be um, at least that would be something you know post his his passing from two years ago as well. Hmm. Um, and then you also get a biography on Roman Reigns as well. All right, so way, ways Sundays are covered beginning february 25th they're all they're all settled yeah don't bother me i'll be watching a and e new japan announced uh 150 matches coming up in february and march we're gonna go one by one and we're gonna break down and make predictions for each one uh we'll just go through some of the highlights here the next uh notable show is january 20th new beginning in nagoya which will be headlined by tamatanga and evil although i guess they have taken tamatanga off of the new japan website and uh declaring evil the champion so it looks like they're i don't know playing around mm-hmm. with this tamatonga stuff but they have announced this for january 20th along with a uh, taiji shimori and great okan for the kopw championship then they will do the road to new beginning tour and there will be several um notable matches for the core q and hall dates including uh, el desperado and yoshinobu kanemaru for the junior heavyweight title on january 23rd january 24th will be headlined by shota umino against ren narita which those two headlining a core q and hall show it and they're headlining above like naito who's your champion and hiromu against sonata and doki so i really like that they're putting them in a focused main event on a core Q and hall show. And I bet those two are just going to uh, tear it up on that show. And hopefully the house of torture is uh, banned from ringside, but probably will not be. Uh, then they, they continue on onward. Uh, Francesco Akira and TJP have a rematch with Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney on February 4th. And then we go to uh, new Japan's new beginning in Osaka, February the 11th, which is the next, really significant show so on top it's will osprey's last match as a contracted new japan performer teaming with jeff cobb hanare tjp and francesco akira against david finley alex Coglin, gabe kidd clark connors and drilla maloney inside of a steel cage match now also added to that show is the rematch between zach saber jr and brian danielson as well as uh, kenta and chase owens challenging hikuleo and phantasmo for the iwgp tag titles and a never open weight six man tag title match with Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii against Shane Haste, Mikey Nichols, and Kosei Fujita. So that looks like a very big card. And Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., second from the top on that show. So I see that one having uh, a lot of interest. It's a massive one. I mean, a rare steel cage match and Will Ospreay's sort of ceremonial, I, I would say, goodbye from New Japan Pro Wrestling at that. Um, plus, uh, Brian Danielson appearance, maybe among the last um, Brian Danielson appearances you may see in New Japan, at least, you know, um, during this run. So it, it, this looks like the biggest card of, of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, the remaining two New Beginning shows are at the end of February on the 23rd and 24th. The first night has Nick Nemeth making his New Japan debut, challenging David Finley for the Global Heavyweight Championship, as well as Hiroshi Tanahashi defending the television title against Matt Riddle. And the second night is headlined by the rematch from Wrestle Kingdom, Naito defending the IWGP title against Sonata, and will also feature Nick Nemeth teaming with Ryusuke Taguchi against david finley and ghetto we get dolph ziggler and ghetto in a ring together 
with Ryusuke Taguchi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Quite the uh, quite the array team. Of, of cards here. So yes, a lot of a lot of uh, you know notable stuff for New Japan coming up over the next two months. And uh, Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord will be exceptionally busy covering uh, most of these shows. So you can check out all of their work up on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Next, we have a couple of ratings notes, and we go to AEW Collision, which aired on Saturday night against a uh, a pretty sizable NFL game. The uh, the Houston Indianapolis game did over 19.7 million viewers, and that led to Collision doing 402,000 viewers and a .13. So down from where they were two weeks ago by a slight amount, but still above uh, 400,000 viewers this coming Saturday. Of course, it's not just the Battle in the Valley show and TNA that they're up against, but they're also against the playoff game between the Miami Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs, which I misspoke on today's show with Brandon that the Chiefs game is Saturday, not Monday. So the Taylor Swift fans will be tuning in Saturday, not Monday. So that could be a a very, that could really um, hurt that collision and TNA audience if Taylor Swift is at the football game. The biggest there go your TNA pay per view plans. Oh yes, mm-hmm. Raw on Monday night going against the uh, the Michigan Washington National Championship game, which did over twenty five million viewers. Uh, Raw fell sixteen percent to one million four hundred sixty four thousand point four four in the demo, dropping twenty seven percent. And the peak was the first quarter for CM Punk and Drew McIntyre that did one million seven hundred fifty six thousand viewers. And then after that first segment, it dropped 17% in the second quarter, uh, and it never came close to what they drew in those first 15 minutes. So um, the football game began at about quarter to eight. So it wasn't a case of people like just uh, like the football game had already started. And that tells me um, putting Punk in that opening segment, that is what people were there to see. Um, and the rest of the show, um, you know, they they boosted that first hour pretty significantly, doing 1.7 million viewers. This coming Monday, they will be up against the NFL wildcard game between Tampa and Philadelphia. So this is going to be the most likely the toughest Monday of the entire year for Raw. But they've got Jinder Mahal going for Seth Rollins championship and quite the build over the last 24 hours for this match all of a sudden. All of a sudden, it feels like it's the biggest match um, in professional wrestling. So, I don't know. Something tells me I I, I don't know if uh, the result will uh, of whatever ratings pattern would would change drastically over um, online promotion. Let's just say. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. I'm more you, interested in it now. I guess you made a a very uh, bold pick on the best and worst of show, naming Tony Khan worst on the mic in 2023. How would you rate his his uh, X game over the past twenty four hours? Do you have a, his X game? Yes, that's what his I'm X pointing game. at. Um, Was this good promotion, well, bad promotion, or did you just not care at all? Um, you're going to get people arguing that it was good promotion. Um, I guess to that I ask, what exactly did he promote? Are you more interested in Hook versus? Um, who uh, who are we talking about? Joe Samoa Joe. Yeah, is we are going to get both of these matches now within uh two days of each other. They're both happening next week. Oh, he did a much better job, I would say, promoting the Gender versus Rollins match. Um, I, I think, I think, I, I don't even want to. Let's not even talk about it. I don't even want to give it energy. It's silly. Let's go outside, everybody. Turn your phones off. 
Well, uh, NXT did 722,000 viewers, 0.21 in the demo. So down from New Year's Evil, down 6% in viewership, 15% in the demo. And the last thing, uh, these are just some updates from WrestleTix, noting that Elimination Chamber, the big show that's happening at Optus Stadium in Western Australia, February 24th, current tickets distributed 41,762. And that's with over a month to go before this show. So that is going to be a giant, giant card. And then Revolution, March 3rd with Sting's retirement, uh, now over 15,300 tickets out. And that will be a card to watch over the next few days now that we have a main event with Sting's retirement and how much that's going to move tickets uh, beyond that. It's been a tremendous success thus far just off of Sting's retirement. And now you have the match in place. How much will they open up? For it's a good question. I don't know what it's, I don't know what they've scaled it for. It was like WWE at their largest, like th- back in 1998, just a few uh, in your houses before breakdown, they were able mm-hmm. to like set the, the attendance record at, at Greensboro Coliseum. I had the number in an update uh, recently, but they can, they, they can still fit several thousand more. I would believe based on, um, the, the scale like once you put the stage in and, and such so and they're still pushing tickets hard on television that they're still available so i don't know what it can top out to but it's um this is going to be a really really successful show like this will beat mm-hmm. ever like even if they come back to uh scotia bank arena for a pay-per-view this year um you're not going to fit just with the the way scotia bank is scaled like you're not going to beat that number uh, of revolution. So outside of all in, like this could end up being their most uh, attended show of the year. This is ahead of what Arthur Ashe did last September. Um, so this is going to be among their most attended shows of the year. And you know what? We have uh, 15,314 reasons for you to tune into post wrestling. Here's just one of them. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet, smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. It is 2024, and tracking technology from advertisers, ISPs, and hackers is getting more sophisticated than many of us can understand. Something you can do to give yourself a bit more peace of mind this year is to protect your browsing by investing in a trusted VPN like NordVPN. Voted Best VPN for Privacy of 2023 by Security.org, Nord is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. NordVPN is also something I use every day to access geo-blocked online streaming services like AEW+. By far the best way of watching AEW programming commercial-free with on-demand access to AEW's entire TV archive. But perhaps the most value I've gained from using Nord has been the ability to unlock cheaper prices to online content from other parts of the world. Plus, when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, you get four bonus months on top of all two-year plans. That works out to $2.88 a month, so it's already paid for itself several times over. Again, $2.88 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. Check the link in the show description. Sign up with code postwrestling, get yourself some bonus months, and let NordVPN know you found them through us. Post-wrestling, brought to you by Waiting. 
Um, and and John Pollock. Um, as long as we both remember, I was on the ball today. Yeah. Size size a hundred font here in front of me. But now we are going home, home to Daly's Place, where Russell Ticks noted over 3,000 tickets out for the show, and we're kicking things off with Claudio Castagnoli and Hangman Page, who came out and had a a 17-minute banger, as Braden would call it. And they're fighting on the floor to begin. Tony Schiavone calling this the best that AEW can provide. And we see the giant swing by Hangman, or sorry, onto Hangman, Claudio applies the sharpshooter, and then as he reaches for the rope, Claudio takes his arm and puts him into the crossface. Page cradles away and then hits his big Death Valley driver right onto Claudio's neck. And Claudio just lifts and drops Page onto the stage as we go through the break. There's a tease of a buckshot, but Claudio stops it with a running boot, so they continue on the stage. Series of rolling elbows from Hangman, and then he goes for the buckshot, and it's caught with a pop-up uppercut. For another two count, the audience is getting into all of these uh, great sequences. Page does a moonsault off the apron. He's caught, rammed into the barricade, and then manages a spinning DDT to Claudio on the floor. Then Page climbs onto the stage, landing a moonsault, and then a tombstone into the ring for a big near fall. Claudio then stops the dead eye, drops him onto the corner buckle, hammer and anvil elbows, and then as he goes for the neutralizer, it's countered with a dead eye, which Claudio kicks out from. Page and Claudio fight on the turnbuckle, and we get a Ricola bomb, at least an attempt for a Ricola, off the second turnbuckle that's countered with a Rana, and then Hangman with one box shot lariat and a second for good measure, keeping Claudio down in 17 minutes and 12 seconds. Great match. Done. I would have been happy. 20-minute dynamite. I was like, this, this was outstanding. Yeah, totally lived up to, I think, our very high expectations for a first-time encounter between two world-class, top-of-their-game wrestlers. Um, I thought they found great ways of using the venue's very unique layout to make the match feel special with that moonsault off of the stage, and that would even be more more so the case in the main event. Uh, this was, like, pretty, like, for 17 minutes, I felt it was, like, a pretty fast-paced match without much room for pause or, or breaks in between. Just a really hot opener throughout i agree i thought the pacing of it like when i looked down and saw 17 minutes i thought like this just raced by and Mm -hmm. throughout the show like having um a smaller venue like daly's place like this crowd they sounded so alive it Mm -hmm. felt like a hot dynamite and this match was just example number one of that and then we saw highlights of Brody Lee debuting back in March of 2020, highlights of his AEW tenure, winning the TNT title, and mentioning his protégés, Anna Jay and Preston Vance, being in action tonight. And this was just a cool video package to, to play. There were various Brody Lee signs around the building and different performers paying tribute to him as well on this show. It was sort of the theme of the two big matches, or at least the multi-man tags that were announced um, prior to the show. And I suppose they... I mean, this was very much a, a bit of a nostalgia show for AEW returning back to Daly's place. And I think specifically um, drawing nostalgia for the pandemic era um, mm-hmm. of which, you know, Brody Lee was was a part of. So they were just trying to, you know, wrap all, all your warm and fuzzy memories that you might have attached to that time. Brody's place. That's what they can. Maybe they should rename it. Who Who's Daly anyway? I don't know. I don't know who I'm Daly sure is. Somebody. If, if it's uh, even a person. Orange Cassidy, Adam Copeland, Dustin Rhodes, and Preston Vance taking on Brian Cage, the Gates of Agony, and Lance Archer. Adam Copeland coming out with a John Huber Toronto Maple Leafs shirt and noting their uh, their affinity for the hockey team. 
Yeah. Go to uh, sorry, naming rights are secured by Daly's, a local convenience store chain. So maybe that's oh, they changing. could they could donate the naming rights, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah. I was also looking for maybe uh, some you know explanation for why specifically these few were chosen by Preston Vance to be on this team. And um, Excalibur kind of said basically the last uh, on the Brody Lee tribute show that main event took place with Preston Vance teaming with Orange Cassidy as well as Cody Rhodes. And thus, I suppose, because you don't have Cody, you have Dustin taking Cody's place in here. And then Adam Copeland is only because, um, you know, they're the Toronto they're, Maple they're mutual Maple Leaf uh, lovers. Yes. Makes sense. As much justification as, as I think you, you probably need. So crowd was really into this. Uh, at one point, the crowd is uh, they're chanting for Orange Cassidy as he's selling in the heels corner. And then Jose, the assistant grabs the leg of Lance Archer. So Jake Roberts comes over and decks Jose. And you're trying to keep it straight here of like, who, who's who here? And this audience, they cheered Jake Roberts, uh, nailing Jose, who is with Preston Vance um, and Jake Roberts with yeah. Lance Archer. So correct me. Uh, Roosh is a baby face, right? We saw through the, throughout the tournament. As, as much the, the the group is as much baby faces as you can accept murder as a potential outcome in some of these scuffles that they get into. But they were in the, throughout the commentary talking about how um, Preston Vance teaming with the baby faces here might be Tony Khan's way of somehow bringing to, um, uh, Preston Vance back to the light, is, is what uh, the commentary said. So, well, he he still does have a death on his hands, right? So, I I mean, maybe he's not I, quite put there that in the light yet. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, Jose still feels very much like a heel to me, whereas people love Jake. So this this reaction, I guess, wasn't that surprising. Well, it was I think it was confusing for anybody uh, of how they were to react here. Orange does the uh, the limp kicks onto Archer and then Dex Cassidy. The blackout gets turned into a satellite DDT and we build up to the tag to Vance, who comes in shoulder tackles onto Khan and Toa. And then Cage is in with an F5 and hits one to cope or goes for one to Copeland, but it's blocked and turned into an impaler DDT and everyone's running in orange. Cassidy delivers an orange punch and a choke slam to con that gives a big reaction. Archer hits this huge spinning side slam onto Cassidy. And then Archer misses with the boot and takes out his partner, Toa Leone. And then cage and Archer are arguing over this cage clotheslines Archer out of the ring and leads to Copeland spearing him. And then Vance with Brody's discus lariat pinning con in 10 minutes and 24 seconds. Mm -hmm. Big reaction for this close here with everybody hitting their signature moves. Overall, I thought it was a a, a good, entertaining multi-man match. You know, even if I, I do wish like maybe they, they announced the reasons for, for the teams a little bit um, earlier, I think online would have been a perfect place to maybe justify it. Maybe a video package, I think would have maybe even done that much better, but um, maybe I can't ask for too much for something like this crowd responded really well to Copeland. I felt, you know, his, his uh, appearance here made this like, he felt like a big star among the crop. And, and I thought um, he looked very good. Vance, I guess it makes you wonder if this was a one night only thing or, um, or if they have any further plans with them. I don't know. I, I can't really see it. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, this was really like for, for the night and the moment that Preston Vance was placed here. And I mean, to the credit, like the audience all knew what the story was. Like they treated Preston Vance as like the focal point of a match that had this not had that context. I mean, Vance would have been an afterthought in the, in this match, but instead they structured the match around Vance and the audience knew what 
the significance was. And they were into like they understood the discus lariat spot. And I think overall, this was just like feel good ending. And I guess you can see if they if they go anywhere beyond this with Vance, but it is um uh I don't know. I, I would imagine that more it's unlikely. almost to be honest, like I feel like um I feel like they like okay, putting him in, in into LFI is is there a way of of you know like getting him ready for for that top spot? But I I honestly have not really heard much um out of them. We could probably go through fifteen guys that could be more focused upon and, and Preston Vance isn't going to be in that list. No. Uh, and the more you hire new talents, the further somebody like a Preston Vance moves down, you know, unless he could, he makes big waves in a very shocking and surprising way. And I don't feel like the, he's, a, he's accomplished that yet. Uh, it's very deep waters, especially in the men's division, you know, in AEW. And then Jake Roberts and Prince Nana exchanged words, which is begging for a promo segment somewhere, even if it's YouTube or dance off. Sure. <laughs> Renee is with Jay White and the guns. The guns are confused, thinking Jay White was from the UK, and they are correct that he's from New Zealand. So the acclaimed and daddy ass walk in and explain again that they have a common enemy. They could hold all of the gold and explain that we'll have the trios belts. You guys would have other titles and we don't have to be friends, but we have something here. And they propose becoming the bang, bang, scissor gang. And Jay White says we need more time to think about it. So sit by your phone. Billy, you can be by your fax machine. Because he's old and he has a fax machine, to which Taz added, he too has a fax machine. Mm. Do you have one? No, no, never had a fax machine ever. Did mm. you? Uh, we did at home, yeah. Okay. We did. Yeah. And you used it? Um, I didn't personally. No, no, I don't have a fax machine. Yeah. Um, bang, bang, scissor gang. Okay. Do you like it? The BBSC, bang, bang, scissor gang. Um, I feel that's one of those, um, what was Soraya's group in uh, WWE? The Submission Sisters. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah. So I, I would certainly do a trademark check on that and make sure that that is not um, a title of any adult content out there because I could right. really see that one being utilized somewhere else. Yeah, I imagine typing in "bang bang scissor gang" to a uh, YouTube would. I'd be careful with that one. Yeah, you might or, have to go in incognito mode for your research. Yeah. So, you know, it feels to me like they're perhaps telling like, you know, the type of maybe Adam Cole MJF story, but now expanded into like two tag teams, two factions, I should say, where um, you might have reluctant partners that uh, will get along and will have a great time scissor banging each other. And then at some point, somebody will turn on somebody else. But which one? Who? Which team? Who's going to turn first? Um, I don't know, but maybe it can be drawn out over months. Mystery attacks, masks, something like that. I'm sure. Yeah. Where and where will Billy side? I think that's a, another big question. Um, I guess so. I mean, we did this one thing. We already took them away from the acclaimed once, and it was not a great idea. So they put them back with the acclaimed. It's um, it works. That 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 threes them. AEW champion Samoa Joe is out, and the crowd just loved this guy. He comes out. Thank you, Joe. I mean, I don't. I am sure they had to be expecting like a. Um, positive reaction, but this was just like, they love this guy. So he's mm-hmm. out and announces we're making some changes to championship protocol. Says no more whining on Twitter with your ho-ass comments. No more ho-ass comments. Who's who's this com- who's that directed to? I guess anybody I, on Twitter. I don't know. There's probably a few candidates uh, hmm. over the past uh, week. He says, if you want, you can go to the championship committee 
to make your case and then I'll stomp you out. Now, this is new. Have we ever had the championship committee referred to? Do we know who's on this championship committee? Is this different from the disciplinary committee? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, what, what, I don't think what they've is... ever referred to a championship committee before. Yeah, where's There's the a singular umbrella? power in Tony Khan that can book matches, and now we have a committee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what other committees exist? Uh, there's the there's a booking committee, I, I imagine the, the 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 committee that makes matches, right? Um, um, it, well, we've we we don't have a booking committee. We have we have a, a we have a guy. You have one guy at the very top who could overrule, but how do we who do how who do we know? Uh, how do we know that some there's not a committee that presents the ideas to Tony Khan for approval? Okay, I just I'm watching this, and these are the questions I have, so I need answers. Right. Well, I don't think you'll get them. Swerve comes out. It's his first time at Daly's place. Not it's not a personal thing with Joe, but we can make it a personal thing. But uh, he's coming for Joe's title, and as they're going face to face, Hangman comes out. And goes over his year, beating John Moxley in the Texas Death Match. Maybe listen to our show on Sunday. Remember that that match happened over the last year, and he was reunited with the Elite at Blood and Guts. And then he found Swerve. But during this past year, I lost sight of the AEW title. This year, I'm going to make it mine. And he gets into both of their faces, tells Joe, "I haven't forgotten about the attack, and I'm going to take your belt." And as Page exits, um, so does Swerve. And then we get the bat signal. The hook signal up in the rafters and out comes the 28 and one hook. And he walks up to Joe calls out one week. And that is what we are getting. He did not, he did not provide any ho ass comments, nor did he go to the championship committee to our knowledge. He just came out, called a shot and he's getting a title match in North Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. That's who, who the F hook is. That's right. Yeah. He's not tweeting out challenges. Just walking up here, yeah. Um, I I think it's a first. It's a, it's a good fine, you know, like first title defense for for Joe. It's somebody he can beat, and Hook can still lose, but look good, and and perhaps um increase his stock through um strong booking in a match like this. Um, so I'm looking forward to the match, you know, regardless of whether or not it's um people. <laughs> I don't know, um, supplemental pr- promotion, I suppose. Uh, my takeaway from the entire segment is that the, the the top mix feels very fresh right now. You know, you have a lot of people who um, are fresh opponents for Joe or at least feel fresh, you know, especially in Swerve. I didn't think that they would go to Swerve versus Joe just considering both of them I being think, double I think we're heel. getting this triple threat that we talked about last week. Like that seems yeah. to be like they gave a big win to Hangman tonight. And I think that the like we're... You know, we have two months until this pay-per-view. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of time. But you know, the way they're setting things up, I just I don't see them doing Hangman and Swerve on television to do another match between those two. So I could see the, the triple threat option. Agreed. It seems to be the direction. They recap Deanna Perrazzo's debut and go to Renee with Tony Storm, Mariah May, and Luther. And May asks Tony if she saw her match last week. And Tony responds, I got a screener but did not see a frame of it. And as Renee mentions, do you know who debuted last week? She yells out, Wendy Richter, and is informed of Diana Perrazzo, which Tony listens to the name, says it sounds Italian, and wants Luther to set up a meeting with Donna Palazzo. And Mariah May then steps on Tony Storm's closer as they uh, end the segment abruptly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sammy Guevara, Ricky Starks, 
another uh, first-time singles match. We get a moonsault by Guevara to the floor. Got a lot of height on this, and it looked like he came down right on the shoulder of Starks. They fought on the edge, and this saw Starks hit an angel's wings onto the edge as we go to the picture-in-picture. Guevara comes back from this. He gets stopped with strikes, and then elbow starts off, hits a moonsault, but lands on the feet of Starks. Starks hits a sit-out powerbomb, misses the spear in the corner, and the GTH gets countered with a jackknife cover for two count. For a two count, Guevara then lands a pair of super kicks and then just cradles him and it ends in nine and a half minutes. I was not expecting the finish off of this. Um, and Starks is just dazed and he's laying there and then they trade words. They shake hands and it's all set up for Bill, Big Bill to attack Sammy Guevara. Um, I wouldn't say this one this one clicked at the level I was expecting it to. They had their moments, but I, I was really taken aback by this finish. It just seemed really um, just out of nowhere. A clean win for Sammy, um, yeah, it was a bit surprising to me too. You know, I mean, I guess it makes sense that that you know they would, Sammy would win, uh, you know, prior to challenging for the championship. But I, that part was fine. It just to me was like the, it didn't really build well to the finish. It was like mm-hmm. it was this really loose looking cradle, and it just it was anticlimactic. That's what I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. but does lead you into the battle of the belts match, and then so Big Bill is attacking Guevara. When Judas hits and Jericho runs out and we've got um, it's new Jack. He comes out and the whole brawl features Judas playing over the speakers uh, for like minutes. They go into the crowd. They're fighting. They make their way back to the ring. Uh, There was this rough looking code breaker to big bill and then a springboard dropkick as he lays them out. And then Jericho celebrating with the fans and, if they, like I can only imagine that they had the concern that there were going to be booze that drown everything out. And instead they played the music for the entire segment and it came off as like the crowd was, they were into the brawl and singing and it, it they eliminated any chance for some kind of scene to be created here. I think that was obvious to almost anybody that was watching yeah. this, that at least maybe, you know, knows of the story. Um, are they going to play the music for the whole tag title match on Saturday? They might have to. Yeah. Uh, Judas is, is really their only line of defense to, I guess, you know, mitigating these potentially negative crowd reactions to Chris Jericho. Um, but to see them use it so blatantly like this for the first time, because they're, they've never done this before for any Jericho interaction is, is kind of pathetic. You know, um, I, I, I want like, clearly they, they don't want to acknowledge anything, um, but they're actively fighting it. But they are actively fighting against any negative reaction, and you just and in a roundabout way, like they are acknowledging the reactions, like they are certainly acknowledging those. And it was mm-hmm. very noticeable on Saturday with Collision um, and the, the reaction that Jericho's name got. Um, so, I mean, they've booked this match for Saturday, and I like I also know notable. Me. They are no longer referring to the team as Les Sex Gods. Good call. Yeah, I would say so. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was that was like the most noteworthy thing that they were doing, like mental gymnastics to figure out like how to present this segment without the potential backlash of an audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the match will be, I guess, pretty telling because there there won't be really any covering up of that. I don't I don't expect them to play the whole song throughout the match. Yeah, it's like the match is secondary. It's like it's it's a very distracting um I think they just got to take it and I mean, either just let the audience, you know, get it out um, or 
maybe somebody might even have to acknowledge it at some point um, outside of the show. Um, but doing this, I think, only pro- promotes it more, like for the match itself. I think promotes they're hoping. The reaction. I think they came out of the pay-per-view with the idea that this is the worst of it this weekend, that the that this this news story will pass. We're just not going to give it oxygen and people will move on. And mm. I mean, just in these cases, like at least by this past Saturday, when his name was mentioned, like they like the audience still reacted. And I think stuff like this, it is it is still putting a spotlight on it. Um, I do feel in time like people will move on from it. Mm. I I can't say like this is going to be uh, a strategy that does not work. Um, that's typically how these things work when there's not a concise uh, conclusion to anything. It's like people do move on from them. But um, well, do, for that reason, do you can you see Jericho? So I don't expect a title change. I certainly don't expect the title change right now. But can you see Jericho taking time off after the match on Saturday? It's possible. Um, he does have a t- he does have a tour coming up in February, but I mean he's he's had plenty of tours that he's balanced his AEW schedule with. I could also see the option of them like attacking Jericho in the back, and Sammy's got to do this match on his own or something like that. Hmm. I mean, there's there's too. ways yeah. they can get around it if they feel but people will be able to see through that too. Well, you're everyone's you're damned this, and you're going to see yeah. through that too. It's like mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, yeah. And I think as long as this is sort of this lingering thing that, I mean, I think the audience, I think, I think there's enough of them that they want to hear at least like a statement from, from Jericho that would at least like ease them to feel comfortable, like watching and cheering this performer. And obviously like based on the examples we've seen since the pay-per-view is like this audience is like, this is front of mind. Certainly to us, it, it feels like it is. I guess there, there's a bigger question of like, you know, to the majority of the people that are watching AEW Dynamite um, on a weekly basis, like how aware are most people about, about the story? I, not, I, dude, they just said his name on Collision and you heard those boos like that was an arena. Yeah. I'm not saying every single person, but enough that it's audible and it's enough that they reacted tonight. So it's. It's enough that it's an it's a it's a concern for them. I feel that way too. I feel like it's a big enough thing that they should. But anyway, we there's a lot we don't know. Julia Hart, Soraya, Ruby Soho, and Sky Blue against Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, Anna Jay, and Thunder Rosa is next with Harley Cameron in the corner. Anna Jay's out with a Brody Lee shirt, and uh, we get chance for. Uh, Anna Jay at the beginning, quick tags as they're taking their turns on Ruby Soho. And then Harley Cameron trips Nightingale and she crashes off the turnbuckle. They get the heat as Sky Blue attacks. And then we build up to Chris Statlander getting the tag. They do a quadruple vertical suplex. Chris then avoids the code blue and blue gets pounced by Willow. Anna hits a flatliner onto Julia Hart and then Soho's in. And we just get the, the same spot as the men where it's just a procession of spots from everybody ending with. Anna Jay applying a Queen Slayer onto, well, first she applies it onto Julia Hart, who tags out, and then Sky Blue is in. She gets caught in the Queen Slayer, and she is forced to tap out. So Anna Jay gets the win, and it's Julia Hart staring down Anna Jay, and this will set up a TBS championship match for Saturday at Battle mm-hmm. of the Bells. 
Yeah, I thought this was a good match. I thought it was a match that reminded you about the quality of talent in this division. That's, um, you know, outside of, I guess, your your main event title picture. Um, several AEW originals here, I think, took the spotlight and impressed here. You know, either um, like, you know, between your your Willows and, and, and your Anna Jays and Chris Statlanders, um, even a Thunder Rosa, you know, to an extent, people that are already pretty established there. But then you also have your upcoming, like, you know, I would say maybe current generation of, of stars in like in Julia Hart and uh, Sky Blue, who I thought looked really good in this match as well. So it's a match that to me put into perspective just how much Anna Jay and Julia Hart in particular have grown since maybe their early days here at Daly's Place. Video package for Wheeler Yuta, who is now Mr. Rampage. And he is addressing Eddie Kingston, who referred to him several weeks ago as a young boy bitch when addressing John Moxley. And he notes how, Eddie, you beat my BCC teammates in the Continental Classic, but you didn't beat me. I'm the guy who sent Shibata packing. And this Friday on Rampage, bring it, you little bitch. So we got Eddie Kingston and Wheeler Yuta for the Continental Crown on Friday's Rampage. Mr. Rampage. Uh that's a that's a that's a cool um moniker. Yeah, Mr. Rampage. Hmm. Mr. 400,000. 0.13. <laughs> Roderick Strong comes out unannounced match taking on Brian Keith with the Undisputed Kingdom in his corner. And Taz was noting, I would love to get Brian Keith's poncho because it is freezing. And uh, this made me check how cold is it in Jacksonville? Dude, it was nine Celsius out there for uh, folks outside. I mean, it's not uh, not exactly it's, it's not Toronto weather, but it's uh, not too far off either. Like that's uh, that's pretty cold. You need a, a light jacket or yeah. a poncho, I would suggest. Yeah. If you're going to be outdoors. Keith. Brian yeah. Keith was very smart. So we get a backbreaker on the edge of the apron, and then Keith, like, fired up. He had a diamond dust, tries for a tiger driver. Then there's a sunset flip roll-up. And, dude, this crowd bit on this near fall for Brian Keith. And then Strong hits a flying knee, end of heartache in 422. Um, quick, but nice match, I thought, especially for Brian Keith, who seems like they are very close to. I mean, if if they haven't already quietly signed him, it seems like it's a, it's a given that that one's coming. Like, he is like, I, a regular member of the roster. I have to think so. I don't think he'd be appearing weekly, you know, unless they had bigger plans for him. So, um, yeah, really not meant to be much more than a showcase for Roderick Strong, who they're trying to push into a more serious light. He's no longer coming out with the neck brace nor the wheelchair. Didn't even say Adam on this particular show. Um, I so like the fact that they're dropping a lot of that stuff. I think that there was a time for it and it's over. I agree. But you also have to be careful that you're not just making him a generic, you know, Roderick Strong. Again. He's got a mustache. Is that enough? That's the update. If you disappear from television, you come back with a mustache. So Adam Cole is in the ring, and he said that he meant it when he said this place is going to change, doesn't care about the people or earning anything from them, and goes one by one, putting over the team. Roderick Strong is a 20-year veteran, pound for pound the greatest wrestler in the world today. Taven and Bennett, the greatest ROH tag champions ever. They never got the respect they deserve, and they will go down as one of the best teams that has ever lived Wardlow is the dominator, and now he's finally surrounded by people that actually respect him. And when the time is right, we will win the AEW championship, and we're going to be here for a long time. And I I was not so enamored with the segment last week. I thought this was infinitely better. I thought this was more (laughs) Hmm. of a – I like this a lot more in terms of just putting over everybody and establishing them as like this – 
I, I thought they dropped a lot of like the cuteness of last week's segment. And I thought this was just more definitive of just giving you like a clear mission statement and putting over like each one of the guys as, you know, giving them like they mentioned strong going for the international title, Bennett and Taven becoming this dominant tag team. And the AEW title is what Wardlow is going for with Adam Cole as the puppet master. I guess to me, it felt very similar to last week's like to the point where I, I, I don't know maybe what I was supposed to get out of this other than maybe just a reminder of, of, of the, the same mission statement that we heard. Um, I can agree. They were probably together. uh, There was redundancy, but I thought this was like, if we were doing like takes, this is the one I would have gone with. <laughs> I would have suggested maybe not even doing the same promo and, and maybe using your second appearance to convey a bit more new information or like, I was a little disappointed by this, John, um, because it just felt a bit generic to me. And, and, and there was really nothing said that was all that big and heat generating. I think they needed to make a bit more of a statement. They need to make statements every single week that they're out, considering the amount of um, profile and spotlight that this devil thing had and the amount of expectations and the amount of criticism that I think the people have people have had for, for this devil thing. They need to come back out and they need to justify why this devil thing took up so much time. Um, and this didn't feel big enough to me. Like it didn't feel like a main event type of, you know, group promo. Well, they, they've got their work cut out for them because, I mean, everyone was ready for this angle to wrap up. The problem is Adam Cole is nowhere near ready. And I mm-hmm. think that this is it, there's heat that you can build up of Cole being like the, the guy that no one can get to physically. But um, you really need to have the like compelling figures. And, and we're not there yet with these four. I mean, Bennett, Taven and Strong have all been comedy sidekicks for months and Wardlow has just been ice cold for a year so there's a lot of work for them to get to and the heat is Adam Cole and we are months and months away from from that so yeah I understand why they have to execute this now because this story was it needed to wrap up but now you've got this waiting period and the, and the, and you 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 do mention those handicaps. Cole can't work. The biggest person that they wronged in MJF is not around. Even Samoa Joe that they're trying to build towards, you know, as their ultimate goal of, of beating for for the AEW Championship. Joe is focused on something else, and it's not like you know between now and Revolution, you can't really do that much with this group and and, and Joe. So how do how do they make an impact when you have all those cards off the table? Would you ever wear a hoodie that reads wolves on it? Yeah, sure. Why not? This is a nice, nice little hoodie. Yeah. Um, I guess they, they um, only printed t-shirts and not uh, hoodies. He needs a haircut. The hair doesn't work for me. Haircut. Okay. Well, he needs a mustache. It screams like this guy just like woke up and came to work. No, he needs a mustache. That is what he needs. Okay. Well, he's kind of got it there. He just has to, you know, just do some grooming. I guess so. Um, okay. Renee is with uh, Donna Palazzo in the back. Puts over what a big signing this is. She set her sights on Tony Storm. She's going to make her debut on Collision and in walks Red Velvet, who's also making her Collision debut. And they decide, well, why don't we? Uh, they were both going to make their separate debuts against no- whoever and decided, <laughs> well, why don't we just save a segment and we'll do our match? Well, we'll see how many women's matches there are um, if it's they just one all, match. They outsmarted themselves. They would have had two women's matches on Collision based on this booking and they contracted <laughs> down to one. Yeah. Um, well, uh, convenient, I guess, you know, 
Tony has to book one less women's match. <laughs> You're on. I'll see you in quarter three. <laughs> Jim Ross um, is out. I think it's a fine match to make. I'm a little disappointed that like Red Velvet hasn't really had much going on since her return. She's she's just right now obviously going to lose to, you know, Diana in her first match here. Um, most likely, yes. Yeah, I don't think she's winning. No. Jim Ross comes out to call the main event, and they note that there is a five minute overrun scheduled. So set your DVRs, and Taz got very forceful. Yeah, update your DVRs. It's like okay, <laughs> don't don't miss. The, says the, the guy with the fax machine. machine. <laughs> says the guy with the fax machine. Ric Flair makes his entrance, and then we have Sting and Darby against Kanosuke Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs. Tornado tag match, and they're off to the races, brawling all over the arena. Takeshita catches a coffin drop that Darby executes to the floor and rotates and Germans him right on the floor. We go to the picture-in-picture, picture and a, a table is set up on the floor by Takeshita and Hobbs. So everyone knows doom is coming for somebody. Takeshita then rotates Darby into a power slam by Hobbs. We come back and they do the swing spot. Obviously, Darby has fallen in love with this. Just, guys, throw me as far as you can. But you know what? We've done that recently. Why don't you twist me in midair and I'll snap my head off the rope coming down. Maybe I'll at least get whiplash. Cool, Darby. We'll do it. And they, they launched this guy. I mean, he did, he, he did a Tony Hawk 900 off of this. Oh, toss. my God. He rotated multiple times here. And then the rope like breaks his fall oh. coming down here. Sting fires up. Stinger splashed to Hobbs and then is nailed with a jumping knee from Takeshita. Flares in the ring and chops uh, Hobbs. And Hobbs won't sell. So he gets poked in the eyes. Crowd like that. Sting then clotheslines Takeshita out, allowing Darby to hit a tope suicida. And then Darby goes to the entranceway and climbs the entrance onto the balcony and delivers a coffin drop to Takeshita. And this audience is going wild for this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's total mayhem. Hobbs then takes Sting across the platform at Daly's place, and they're above the table. And Sting pops off the shoulders, and I see him put the arm around Hobbs. I'm like, oh, my God. Don't do this. And he goes with a, he delivers a scorpion death drop off this balcony backwards through the table on the floor. Guy goes backwards through this, like doesn't even know when his landing's coming. And dude, Sting, like with all of his might that is left, it like he was down to one percentage on his mm-hmm. health meter. And with that last percentage, he moved his, like he couldn't even turn his shoulders over. It was like, mm-hmm. I'll touch you. And that was the pin. This guy was completely done at the end of this match. Yeah. A I don't know if it was, he had to do a tag match at revolution. A hundred percent. I don't know if he, he was just gassed or if he was actually hurt. Like I was concerned. Dude, that was a big know? bump to take. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're going back. Like that was, uh, The whole thing was like when he took the power bomb from Seth, it's like into the corner. It's like you can't time when you're going to hit the target. So it's like it's a shock to your system. And I mean, regardless for anyone, like that's a that's a that's a tough bump. Like right there, you're landing right on the ground. Uh, Tables only cushioning so much. I mean, I'm sure it was. uh, Yeah. And he's just and he's just worked for 10 minutes on top of that. That's it, too. You know, so I, I mean, I'm sure it was a combination of, of everything, both the impact as well as as the, the, the cardio. But um, it took him a while to get up onto his feet. And, and I was oh, certainly yeah. concerned. And he, and he had to do like promo and stuff. It was like Shivani gets into the ring. Thankfully, he didn't have to say anything. He just had to. Yeah. Stand up. Yeah. I, yeah. 
I wonder if maybe they just cut that out because um, no. Shivani uh, basically says, take a breath and promotes revolution. Uh, but we have one question. Who is your opponent going to be? And the Young Bucks music hits and out they come. Um, spy versus spy. And the two men in their time off have grown mustaches. I thought that um, I seriously thought this was Angelo Parker on the right. Um, when he came out uh, i thought it was um uh, aj from the i want it that way video oh my goodness they came out i mean this is going to be heaven maybe that lives on from this dynamite <laughs> it's hilarious it's a hilarious look the young bucks with mustaches it was it was like it was almost too comical like i was waiting for these two to break like the the looks that nick was doing, like nick knew how how this looked um yeah. and that's it. And it was just a long wait. Like they wanted to drag out these five minutes of the overrun, which they did not need all of. And it was just their music played. They stood here for a long time. And uh, Jim Ross is like shooting his shot here. I would love to call this match and I'll be back here on Rampage tomorrow night. But boy, I would love to call that match. And they get to plug a bunch of stuff for collision. They announce uh, the, the cope open will take place on Saturday. Uh, Hey, the Copen, the, Co- the Copen, <laughs> no, that, that's the Copenhagen. That's not better. No. Okay. Uh, Hangman in Norfolk and then uh, Cage and the Gates of Agony defending the ROH six man titles against Lance Archer and the Righteous. That's what you have coming up for you, eh? Awesome. And then, uh, and nice. Julia Hart and Anna Jay added to Battle of the Belts. So there we have it. The <laughs> Sting's retirement match against the Young Bucks. I I mean honestly I didn't know what to expect for Sting's last match. You knew it had to be a team of high profile. Um, I had wondered if it would be a team with more sort of like sentimental attachment. The Young Bucks aren't that sort of team, um, but you know it's going to be a good match at least with three of the participants involved. Uh, it's going Sting to go. Will do, Sting will do his part. Like this is yeah. this is going to be a. Like this is like Sting is gonna. I, I am concerned because Sting does not have to preserve himself um, beyond his just regular life. Um, that like what the expectation level is going to be for him to do some kind of stunt in this match, and I just hope that it is um, within reason. So the expectation, I think, with any Bucks tag team match, especially when they're in there with somebody as fast as Darby, is a fast match. So, oh, man. I'm, they're going to structure it in a way that that's going to make Sting look amazing, I'm sure. But for, there are going to be portions where he's going to have to be in there and and will have to keep up with like three of the fastest wrestlers in in the entire company. Um, so it, it, it I, I'm at least curious, you know, to see what how it'll turn out. That's going to be part of the appeal. Like it's it's not the same comparison, but like th- this was sort of the the appeal of like Muto's retirement was he's going to do a headlining match with Tetsuya Naito at the Tokyo dome. It's like, you can't do five minutes together. Um, mm-hmm. And they ended up going 30 and what you can't underestimate that's not a great is, story to, that's to tell it. in that. And match. dude, you're going to have the most like charged crowd that mm-hmm. the emotion and the heat is going to be like, it will make up for any shortcomings. And I think that the, they will be very smart in how they put this together. I mean, I, yeah. I think this is probably as, yeah, to your point, like there isn't necessarily like the historical significance, but like what what team would fill that role that is still wrestling today that has historical significance with with Sting? Rick like, Flair and like the Steiners are coming in, probably Flair and Arn. Yeah, so no. um, no, it's it's like it's it, it's a big match, and I think people will have a at the very least they're going to have a curiosity of again, what will this match look like? 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a it's it's a it's an attractive choice for a pay per view main event. You know, so um, I'm also curious what sort of like characters the Bucks are going to play in the lead up to it. I mean, what is this sort of mustachioed? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The look was not. I, I was not giving a thumbs up on this look. Like it, it was, it was just too cartoonish for me. Like it, it felt like you know, this felt like a, a high school play. Will they have accents when they speak? It, that's kind of what it feels like. Like this feels like like a like Maybe a sea level movie. Italian accent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's see. We got two months. We got two months to learn about the the young bucks. All right, that was dynamite. I, I thought a great crowd overall. Claudio and Hangman was tremendous. Um, you know the, um, wouldn't say like uh, not every match uh, delivered in in the same way, but you really can't deny like the main event for like what it was like that audience. They were very heated for it, and mm-hmm. I think they were satisfied with like a Sting tag team match that you yeah. came you you got the Sting experience and. I mean, Darby is just the, this guy is going to kill himself for, I, I have no idea what this man will have in store for Sting's retirement match. Mm. I feel like more so than Saturday, this felt like more of a, um, a sort of um, concerted effort to make it feel like it's part of Sting's retirement tour. And that this, this match itself is, is special because this is the last time this crowd is going to see Sting. Like I felt the the presentation made it feel bigger, like appropriately big for for this farewell tour, um, and I think it's it's in really good shape. You know, the emotions are going to ramp up the more you um, the closer we get to the date. Um, so it, it's going to be a success. The only question is whether or not he can stay healthy enough to see through to that finish. So um, I, I just hope like like the revolution response. Like it's it's just so overwhelming. This is going to be the biggest thing uh, th- that the company has for these mm-hmm. two months, and I would just be really exploiting that fact of not just you know appearance like the last time Sting is here or there, but the idea of like like man for your merchandise department like Sting's yeah. final time in blank like the like it writes itself like you have a, mm-hmm. a crowd that is very nostalgic for Sting. And you go to all of these cities, like just him appearing is something that I hope they can do a better job of promoting this. Like he, totally. you, you would assume is going to have at least what, maybe two more matches before the pay-per-view you would think mm-hmm. like, let's make a big deal out of those. Like give them like a two week build or something to, like you will move tickets for this. Like it, I think it's just having the, this planning and having the infrastructure to really make a big deal out of this because your audience is telling you this is the biggest deal for AEW is this retirement. So I don't yeah. even think he needs to be wrestling for all, all the shows. Like, I mean, yeah, you, you're right. He might have two more matches, uh, but I think like just even promoting a speaking appearance, just any appearance, I, I think this is a big appearing in the city is going to be something, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be every single stop is the last time you will see sting here. Um, so I just I, I I don't want to see more like Friday night announcements of a match the next day, even if it's something minor like the workhorseman. It's like that's not the focus. It's it's Sting's last match in this city that that is the draw for people. And with with a bit of promotion, like it will pay dividends. All right. We're going to go now to feedback. If you have any super chats, uh, send them on in. Way will be monitoring those and we will go to the forum to see what you had to say about tonight's edition of Dynamite. Super sad just just came here from Hernice de la Cruz who sends five dollars to say I loved your talk on journalism earlier, John. This is why Dana doesn't get challenged or else creds get pulled. I mean, it's um, I I don't know how like 
I, I don't feel like you just asking a serious question at a UFC press conference is go- like certainly there have been instances in, in in the past with uh with with certain media members, but I really don't think that that would be necessarily be the case. And and you have gotten like real questions asked of uh, Dana White, but I mean p- people are going to have their um th- th- their concerns certainly. Hmm. Let's go to Andrew from Cape Breton. So yesterday was obviously a wacky day on, on Twitter regarding the the Tony Khan tweets. I was pretty annoyed by it, but now I'm not sure how I feel. It seems like it was done on purpose to hype the hook title match. That seems strange, but when there was a title sponsor for the match itself, I then realized what it was. Making yourself look silly on Twitter probably isn't the way to go, but based on the history of pro wrestling promoters, I guess it's pretty minor. He's trying to learn from old promoters, though. Having Jericho come out and not turning off his music was both clever and horrible at the same time. Vince would just turn the volume down. The show, though, was great, and I hope they do a Daily's Place show at least once a year, as the crowd was incredible tonight. Yeah. Um, Again, I never feel like it's a good idea to mortgage maybe your own reputation to promote a match. Um, I don't even... I can't even say that was really... Maybe it was his intent, but... Maybe to some it was effective, you know. Great hook versus Samoa Joe coming up. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't like give too much analysis to, yeah, Twitter strategies. All right, let's go to Sal from California, who says seeing AEW back at Daly's place makes me remember how fun those early years of AEW were. I found post wrestling after Dynamite debuted back in 2019, and I became a patron during the pandemic. Well, thank you for that. If I've never said it, I just wanted to let you both know that your podcast really helped me get through the COVID lockdown. Listening to your shows was one thing I look forward to every day when everything else in the world felt strange. I always appreciate post wrestling for that. Thank you guys. Well, thank you, Sal, for uh, thank that you, Sal. very nice. Nice um, comment. As far as the show goes, the ending of Dynamite felt a little awkward with the Bucks coming out and not saying anything, but I'm excited for Sting and Darby taking on the Bucks. I'll be making the trip to Greensboro, and I think it'll be a great ending for the Stinger. Question for you both. If we get a triple threat at Revolution with Joe, Swerve, and Hangman, do you think it would be too early to have Joe drop the title to Swerve? I love Joe, but I think it's Swerve's time, and I hope they give him the title while he's hot. All the best. I mean, that would be an exceptionally short uh, title reign by AEW standards. Um, I would I would not want to make that kind of a decision on Joe when you've just put the belt on him now and not knowing what kind of um, oh, what 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 kind of appeal he's going to have and what kind of success they have. I mean, you you kind of want to monitor. You've done this change, and I don't know if I would want to flip it uh, so quickly. Yeah, I never like you know like the quick. I mean, it wouldn't be that quick because the pay per view is, is kind of far away. But still, you want at least one pay per view defense under somebody's belts, right? I. But this is not I, like you have a throwaway match where you're just the champion automatically. Like you will have believability. I would say in both guys of the potential of of winning this title. Like even the idea of Hangman winning it and then he has Swerve to feud with after the two losses. True, you're right. Yeah, it's very possible. You might even argue more upside on on either of those two versus Joe. Um, and it I might even that... mean more for Swerve to to beat Hangman for that title, but he has to go through some more obstacles to build it. Like I I don't think this is such where the timing is. Boy, you better not miss it on Swerve at this moment. I think you can further that and and get to the 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 title win, and it does not have to be in two months' time. Yeah, I mean, a three-way opens up a lot of different possibilities, um, ways to protect people that um, where they don't have to get pinned in order to lose the match and championship. Um, so, yeah. Eric writes in, I agree 100% that way, with way, that John could pull off a mustache. 
Mm-hmm. I got, this is his, his first post ever. Just like that was enough <laughs> to convince him to come. The conclusion to tonight's Dynamite showed two things. The Young Bucks cannot pull off mustaches when they are trying to seem imposing. And Sting's retirement match feels bigger than the Bucks' heel persona rises to. I hope they come up with a compelling storyline for Revolution. Matt and Nick have to be more serious with their promos or else they'll fail to live up to that spotlight. I mean, in fairness, they just came back tonight. They have not even spoken yet. We haven't even seen, like, the changes, the turn, anything mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, I think some patience is, uh, can be provided. I wonder if they ever considered FTR for the role for that spot oh interesting yeah i mean that one i mean there's like you have some great tag teams and and that would be another they could bring tully back to manage them against flair yeah maybe anyway um okay so i'm just pre-reading this Okay, I'm just going to read your thoughts on, on uh, Dynamite here. Uh, Mark says, Sting and Darby versus the Bucks at Revolution should be an amazing final match for Sting. I recall the trios match at Forbidden Door 2022, Darby, Sting, and Shingo Takagi versus El Tasmo, and the Bucks being a ton of fun. I think this should be a blast. I love the world title picture and all the possibilities. It's nice to see so many things at play with that within that mix that feels unpredictable for the first time in many, many months. Lastly, Jericho, the booze will keep coming, and I'm not sure how they can navigate this at all. I think Hausman's baseless and reckless pseudo-journalism has done a tremendous amount of damage. I mean, it's like, if, if that's going to be your opinion, um, that's that's your opinion. Um you know, people there. There are people that will disagree with um, with Nick Houseman. I don't feel this is reaching this level, though, un- unless Kylie Ray is I- interjecting and and posting that. I really don't. Um, so, I mean, you you can you can have whatever your opinion you want of how this uh, information got out there, but the fact is, um, you know, when Nick Houseman made his initial comments, did not mention Kylie Ray's name. Now, people that maybe had heard whispers of this years ago, they would deduce of what he was kind of beating around the bush over. Um, but it was Kylie Ray that, you know, posted that emoji, has not taken that down, liked a number of tweets as well. That's when it truly did um, take on a different level. So I think you have to be fair of the, the fact that it wasn't, it was more in a roundabout way that she got involved, but I mean, people certainly read that as like an endorsement of what she was attaching the emoji, those comments to as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is when it started trending and it, and it grew on that Saturday. So I think you have to include that aspect of this whole thing. It's not, listen, this is a very tricky story. And I think we've been very careful in how we've covered it, that this is not a, this is not like sentencing Chris Jericho to guilt it is the but i i can't dismiss any of this either i think as i said that night is to me the logical conclusion would be for AEW to reach out to Kylie Ray what did you mean by this post is there something here let's get to the bottom of this and for the audience i mean they're just going by what they have seen and what they have heard or not heard and to them it's like jericho has been radio silent and i'm sure he is being advised not to say anything but at the same time it's letting this linger whether that is fair or unfair that's just the reality of, of what this is but yeah you're so, so so whether or not they reach out to kylie ray would we ever know and should we ever know if you're AEW? well it would be the answer would be most likely not. I, I don't think, but I mean, that if, we wouldn't know. 
I mean, it would be at the very least, I think you would want to know like, what is the basis of this? Like what, what happened or what did not happen? I think it would be just as prudent to like, ideally you would want to have uh, either, you know, concrete evidence or something on the record or like an exoneration of, you know, someone whose reputation has certainly been damaged from this in, in Chris Jericho. Um, but this is sort of just, it, it's very tricky because it's not as though Kylie has come forward with anything, you know, she, she has not stated anything. She has not alleged anything. It's an emoji we are, we are going off of here. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very tricky that there are not like, and I'm not going to like wade in like rumors that come from, that do not come from Kylie herself. Well, simply talking about it is, is is waiting, isn't it? You know, and and this is just the difficulty of talking about something that we have such little information of. Um, yet, even that small bit of information can be interpreted in so many different ways. But um, it's it, it's 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 really difficult, and and it I, I would say leaves a, a lot of wrestling fans um, in an in a, just this sort of like uncomfortable state of. Um, lack of uh, where things are just not going to be resolved. And I don't even know if we're any, we're ever going to be that much closer. Um, Ultimately, I just kind of see time, you know, washing this away, like with a lot of stories like this. This, this is not a system that is built to judge these cases. Like wrestling companies are not like in a position where they are necessarily going to be able to, conduct these investigations that are going to be at the level of transparency that that your audience might uh, want and ruling on these online. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. It's, it's a total mess and you're not going to get the answer that you're hoping for in terms of like a clear cut, what happened and going from there. And then what is the penalty and how do you properly uh, judge and adjudicate this case? I mean, this is just, this is not the system for, for this this kind of um this kind of process no it isn't um what is the system something this internal is, this something... is a system where it is it is just left for everyone to make their own conclusions i mean and... what should be the system i suppose for something like this listen in in a perfect world you would be able to have bodies that could investigate to the best of their abilities and that would require speaking to the the people that are principally involved like this is something that i mean companies have to go through but it becomes very tricky i guess we don't even know if that already took place no because it was asked and they wouldn't even state that so i mean i I don't know what we don't know anything really we know nothing we know nothing it's Mm -hmm. like might have been an investigation, might not have been an investigation. Like mm-hmm. there's there's nothing like I I don't know like how much more we can really take away from this beyond the fact it is clearly an issue on television and they are having to adjust on the fly to this story that's still alive among this audience. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not nothing. And I think that's that's where people just have to be in what no, I'm just laughing because like it's not nothing yet. It it is also like it. It is also kind of nothing. 
that's definitely turned into something, right? Yet we're trying to break down this as if it's something with information of nothing. Um, and and I I mean I'm just it it's just it's difficult, and I just don't you know it's hard to come come to any sort of conclusion. Um, the more we try to discuss it, again, I think this is ultimately it is um it it, it is highly right to either share or to disclose or like it's or not it's, like or I not mean, yeah but at this like, point like it has been at least. Like, I won't say she has uh, addressed it, but in a roundabout way, she has. Mm. Sure. So it's... Anyway, yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for the feedback. <laughs> Look what you did, Mark. Well, um, it's a, it is a story that's going to continue. Mm-hmm. As will our shows this coming week. We have breakdown coming up on Thursday. We are going to be chatting about that show for post wrestling cafe members. You can jump on board postwrestlingcafe.com where we have one, two, three, four shows coming up over the next uh, number of days with rewind away, rewind to SmackDown. And then on Saturday night collision course with way and Kate and Sunday battle in the Valley with Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson. Again, John Cena and I live Sunday, Saturday night live here on the channel going through TNA's hard to kill. So, Looking forward to seeing that show and the rebranding of TNA. Are you curious about this show on, on Saturday? Very much so, John. Yeah. Um, maybe like more than anything else going on that weekend. I want to see production-wise what what changes may have taken place. They've introduced new championships. Um, I want to see just in terms of presentation what they might have new or old. Yeah. It's interesting because like the the television has been like there hasn't been much like first run television to air, mm-hmm. and yet just throwing the card out there and the idea of change and rebranding, like that's the hook for the pay-per-view. And it seems like it has as much interest as any other impact pay-per-view that's had weeks of television, new first run television every week to build it up. Like this is really much built on the curiosity of what are we going to see? And I mean, it is something that fans get attracted to change. And who, uh, who is possibly, I think the biggest free agent signing. TNA history. Yes, we will. We will find out what uh, Scott Moore's big, uh, big secret is on Saturday. Hmm. All right, that's it for us. Thanks to everyone for joining us. We'll be back later this week. Goodbye. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code Program.